Oh yeah. In this case, reg <laughs> means record. It does. I guess it Did meant it used that to in not? the other word. No, it meant it in oh, the other okay. one too. Yeah. That that would be extra confusing. I hope this works. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland and getting lost in the new mixer. You're doing great. <laughs> Thanks. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks, and today... Today. The many adventures of Sean Baird. Welcome, Sean. Thanks, guys. I'll admit, as a third-party observer, the soundboard is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, we've. It's like when you get a new toy, and you're just like, "This is great," because it's kind of a new toy, but it's also a new machine, and it helps us make better podcasts. Yes, it's like a win-win. <laughs> um, yeah, we're talking with Sean today about your. I would multifaceted would be the word applied to sean it would be multi-ventured exploits and other trips around portland so welcome welcome again to the show again again i guess we're you were here for podcast we said welcome we said welcome oh i see what you're saying we said welcome like a minute and a half ago was sean on the show before i didn't think we did no we did not no but we had a good chat during podcast palooza yes or podcast palooza it's been a long dream of mine to be on the show. <laughs> you made it. Give give that guy a patch. Okay. Yay. Wait, do, you, do you have a patch already? Yeah, you oh, actually right. gave me like six of them when I got you. <laughs> well, here, <laughs> have another patch. <laughs> to distribute for the record. <laughs> okay. In case you're jealous Excellent. while you're listening. <laughs> Just dumping patches on people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sean, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah. I, wow. Where, where do you even begin? Uh, so I used to live and work with Aaron uh, in his uh, caregiving days. And uh, after that, I moved to St. Louis for three years. Uh, I wrote into the show, if you, for those of you with long memories, uh, about a little, uh, little bike tour that uh, my wife and I joined on with some friends briefly. And I've been yes, back in uh, me, yeah. back in Portland for a year and a half, and uh, did a kind of little change of career uh, when we moved back um, from the kind of the realm of caregiving, uh, working with adults with disabilities into construction, which was it's been a big change. Uh, as uh, I didn't own a car for nine years, uh, leading up to um, a couple of years ago, and uh, now I drive a full size pickup truck through the city uh, for work and. Uh, I do it under protest for the record. (laughs) It's okay. You're (laughs) all good. (laughs) And and then sometimes for work, I drive an even bigger truck, uh, which is kind of an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, As has been brought up in the episode recently, uh, a couple of times I feel like being a cyclist for a long time has made me a better road user in the general while I'm in in a motor vehicle. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I kind of think it goes both ways sometimes. Like being a motorist also makes me a more aware cyclist mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I don't know, saying motorist just now makes me think, well, I'm not really a, a motorist anymore than I am a cyclist. It makes but me think you are you when a... you're driving. 
but not otherwise. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. It makes me think you have a passion for like Sunday morning drives. <laughs> yeah, he was with, actually, my, with my goggles and yeah, and in the 1950s with yeah. your with your family. We, we've never disclosed this to our listeners, but Aaron always psychs up for the show by watching Top Gear before we start <laughs> recording. <laughs> Those guys love us, by the way. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it is interesting because uh, as Aaron was saying, and as you're saying as well. Um, you do get that perspective dose or that um, context dose. I, I think I noticed this most recently in my own life. Um, there's a particular crossing that I take pretty much every day that goes over MLK Junior Boulevard, which is one of our busier vehicle streets in town. And I was even surprised, like I haven't historically driven much, but I've been driving like just a little bit more this month. Um, and I hadn't ever kind of seen that crossing from the perspective of somebody going 25 or 30 on MLK Jr. And I think one of the things that um, I commonly am a bad guesstimator or estimator of when I'm cycling is the stopping distance for vehicles. And because, you know, when you can like, I, I guess the the old, you know, colloquial saying would be when you can stop on a dime, which, you know, isn't always the case in the winter with leaves. But when, when you can stop on a bicycle, um, I was just flabbergasted. Um, when I went by that and and saw somebody sort of come to and I was like, oh yeah, I can totally stop for that person, hit the brakes and was like, nope, it's actually going to be safer to like go past instead of being like stopping right in front of them. Um, and, and they were, you know, as aware as I was in that intersection. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that perspective. And especially I would imagine for um, larger vehicles, trucks, buses, I'm sure Eric, Aaron can attest to, uh, it's good to have a sense of both because it makes you safer overall. Yeah, physics wins uh if you step in front of a fifteen thousand <laughs> yeah. pound truck yeah i absolutely do not want to hit you but mm-hmm. like physics is physics it, yeah. it's uh yeah it's interesting uh, in mass the, times velocity times yeah totally that's that uh, speed squared. i don't know. yeah <laughs> there's there's a lot of like stickers that communicate safety messages i feel like especially on larger vehicles i think one of my favorites because it's like not very victim blamey is just the simple one that says like if you if you can't see me i can't see you yeah you know physics <laughs> yeah yeah i uh along those lines so something i think about i have the uh share the road license plates mm-hmm. something i joke about is that it actually doesn't ever say that i share the road mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> no I, it could be like I'm, taken a different way i want to yeah. joke someday with someone about like no i'm telling you to share the road damn it. <laughs> give me room to work yeah. here yeah totally it's uh obviously not my actual sentiment but it just <laughs> it, i was looking at it one day and it made me chuckle <laughs> yeah i'm telling you to share the road yep it's uh ambiguous at best <laughs> <laughs> cool um well what have you been up to you know aside from work and and driving uh cycling adventures sort of uh give us give us the lay of the land of your last year year and a half here in town yeah, so uh, it turns out starting doing construction labor after doing an office job uh, at, at the ripe old age of 30 uh, is, really ti- old, is really tiring. Mm. How's your back? Uh, it, my back has been remarkably good. Good. I'm very uh, glad. But my first summer especially, I spent a lot of my uh, downtime outside of work uh, laying and like, laying down, <laughs> reading, yeah. maybe typing something on the computer. Right on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Bicycling's been a little bit more limited since we got back to Portland, which has been a little bit sad. Uh, but uh, I did get to do the uh, Crater Lake Rim ride. I saw yes. Aaron. Yeah, uh, I rode yes. around the entire uh, Mazama campground twice looking for them <laughs> uh, successfully. Yeah, 
I love it because uh, you were the t- the story of like you trying to track us down. I was like very appreciative of your vigor in making it, sure we connected. Nobody has cell signals. Mm-hmm. I just I knew you were in the campground somewhere, and uh, we'd all ridden what forty something miles that day. It was getting dark. It was like I was on the last loop before giving up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. It was a it was a pleasant surprise. And then you smelt the burnt veggie dogs. And you're like, <laughs> I I know where these I folks know what's are going at. on. <laughs> the potatoes that wouldn't cook. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was terrible. The starchos. Yeah. <laughs> Good old camp food, <laughs> which didn't matter because we were hungry. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, at, at elevation especially. Mm-hmm. Tell um, how was your experience on the rim ride? Uh, I didn't do a lot of training, which made me really nervous. Uh, Annie and I, my wife and I, uh, rode uh, the Leif Erikson Trail a bunch of times, figuring it got kind of some harder riding. There's some in. hills there. It, yeah. It's hills, yeah. but I think also if you're if you're trying to get some saddle time in, riding on a dirt road kind of gets you the jostling. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and 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 just as a little more work, but I was actually I've been working at a job for about six months. There was three four story buildings that we were building. So while I had not been riding a lot, I have climbed thousands of flights of stairs mm. in the last six months. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I actually did remarkably well, much better than I expected. Oh, and the mo- the week before, I had a really casual week, uh, which meant my legs weren't completely oh, blasted cool. yeah. by work. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it would have been a real struggle. Yeah. But uh, it ended up being fantastic. Such beautiful ride. Went, went with some longtime friends and we took our time and visited the stops and Clockwise or counterclockwise? We went clockwise. All right. Uh, Annie <laughs> and I had ridden the rim uh, on our honeymoon. We we honeymooned uh, bike touring from Portland to San Francisco. Oh, nice. And we took a day off to ride the rim, and we had gone counterclockwise. So we had done the the south side, the kind of the, the bottom of the clock of sorts from yep. the campground. Uh, you're off of the lake quite a bit. It's really beautiful. You're out in the forest, but there's not a lot of views. We got to the very backside and it started dumping rain. Mm-hmm. As it does. Yeah. And it, and this was late July and it was foggy and it was pouring rain and we couldn't see anything. Annie especially was just horrified about us getting mm. destroyed by some car that right, couldn't right. see us. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty legit concern. It, yeah, the shoulders road. are really narrow. Yeah, all the exactly. Way around, yeah. Exactly. If they hadn't, if they couldn't predict us being there, then it it could have gotten real ugly real quick. But mm-hmm. so it was particularly nice. We wanted to do clockwise to make sure we absolutely got the views of the lake in, uh, just yeah. in case the weather tour uh, turned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, but it ended up being just an absolutely incredibly beautiful day, and so yeah. it was it was very nice. I remember even the difference between the day that we rode and the day leaving. Um, there was a bit of a gray cast upon the lake upon departure, and just the difference about when it, like when it's looking good, it's really good. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt like there couldn't have been better conditions. Yeah. Everybody talks about the depth of the blue, and mm-hmm. it's just yeah. there's something magical about that. Yeah. On a yep. clear day, especially. Totally. Yeah, it's very deep. I like that lake. Um. Well, well, have you um, done any other trips this year? Excuse me. No worries. Um, no, some weekend rides. Cool. It's it's been a pretty pretty low key cycling year. Definitely. Looks like you're about to crack open something. Right I already there. let all the juice out. Oh no! And by juice, I mean air. <laughs> yeah. Would this be an an apt time to mention? I, I think so. The generous sponsors of the show, the Beer Mongers on Southeast. Division 12th. Right on. 12th and Division. Yes. Thank you so much for sponsoring our drinks. Mm-hmm. 
Today, I've got the Wildland Kombucha, the blueberry hibiscus, and I'm always surprised. You know, this is a uh, this is a lesson, and maybe you should just try something new every now and then, because mm-hmm. I've hated hibiscus tea, and yet I'm drinking the blueberry hibiscus kombucha. This is amazing. Nice. And if I if this wasn't presented to me... Mm-hmm. I probably would have just gone like, ah, I'll just take the ginger fix. Gotcha. You know? Well, so. to be fair, the ginger fix is pretty good. It is really good, yes. Um, yeah, I feel But like... I would never have known the blueberry hibiscus. Well, there you go. Um, I'm drinking the passion orange. Speaking of trying something new, I can't remember if I've tried this once before, but the passion orange boneyard elixir, uh, sparkling CBD beverage. That's right. They've got pretty much everything at the beer mongers. <laughs> um what are you having, Sean? I've got the, I wish I spoke Dutch, the Kloster Ondix, uh, Doppelbach Dunkel. It's a delicious dark dunkel. Yay. Excellent. Um, and the Beer Mongers is also doing their Thursday annual, um, I, would, I would, it wouldn't even call it Thanksgiving, more their their they're hey if you are not otherwise engaged on thursday this year swing on by have a beer with us come have a beer with a lot of other people also similarly uh situated and looking for a bit of community and family on that day uh so yeah check them out for this upcoming thursday and thanks as always to the beer mongers right on i like that guy sean a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) sean's great i'm partial is it it's Mm -hmm. a good name huh (laughs) I'm biased. Sean, Sean's a good guy, I've heard. Um, swell. And uh, yeah, also thanks to our Patreon supporters and listeners near and far. Um, we had been talking a little bit on, or behind the scenes, I guess, uh, between Aaron, Brock, and I about um, the show itself and how can we be most entertaining and useful to you. So, uh, you know, regardless of us having episodes once every week, if there's something we haven't talked about, something you'd like us to talk more about. Or someone you'd like us to talk to. Exactly. And everything or and about. anything in between. Um, we're, we're here <laughs> for you. And we love your ideas. We love your suggestions. And we love making them come to life. So let us know uh, if there's something that we're missing yeah. that uh, we could help fill a gap with. I feel like that was appropriate because Sean's here and Sean is a longtime supporter and listener of the show. So Yes, you, by the way, thank no, no you pressure. So much. Yeah. Oh yeah. Clink. Here we go. Cheers. Yeah, thanks for the support. Um and similarly, if you come up with an idea in the next fifty minutes, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Yep. Pressure's on. Okay. <laughs> Whew. We'll just we'll just edit that pressure out. It's all right. Um Yeah. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and, and talk a little bit about being a, somewhat of a gearhead because I think that might be oh. the f- yeah I know I I realized like what I was saying but there was no way around trying not to make that sound cheeky it's all so good. here we are uh, and I will just move forward um, one of the first things that we bonded over was bike mechanics and uh, building bikes and uh, one thing that I that I really appreciated was the miniature bike shop that you had set up there <laughs> in the uh, in in the upper floor of our house. Um, but yeah, uh, what got you into bike mechanics? What got you into doing stuff like that? Because you you seem to have a real knack for it even before we were working to or, yeah working and living together. 
Yeah, I've always liked working on things just in general. My brother and I were the, the type of kids that if any of our toys, anything electronic ever broke, uh, we immediately grabbed the screwdriver and just mm-hmm. tore the thing into a thousand yes. pieces. Yes, nice. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess what got me into bike mechanics was being a kid out in the woods uh, with my first kind of proper mountain bike when I was 14 and the bike shop was a long way away and allowance was not that much. And, <laughs> uh, therefore if I could do anything on my bike, uh, to maintain it and keep it working, then, uh, I could keep riding it and not, not have it not work. And, right. and this was before YouTube and that sort of thing made this super easy, uh, to be able to find out information about what, what you were looking at, you know, I had no concept what a bottom bracket puller was. Mm-hmm. And here I was trying to pull the, bra- the, bo- uh, the, uh, or sorry, a crank puller, uh, trying to pull the cranks off my bike and just could not figure out why the dang thing <laughs> why they not won't come, come loose. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, so in college, I learned about bike co-ops, uh, going to school up in Seattle and, and didn't have time to volunteer, but I took like a basic mechanics course, uh, at the, the, I don't remember the name of it, the bike co-op, um, Kind of the south side of the Capitol yeah. Hill, right? Um, at think, least, as is it, it was. still around? I have I haven't the foggiest clue. Okay, gotcha. Uh, this would have been two thousand nine. Okay, it's, God, it's been ten years. It's all uh, good. So after college, uh, I lived in Washington D.C. for a year and volunteered at the bike house there. Uh, when it was just a Saturday, it was a very small, pretty new co-op. Uh, when it was just a Saturday clinic, and and when I had a had time on Saturday, it was just pe- people doing basic, uh, brake, you know, brake, uh, brake adjusting, pad replacement, shifter yeah. tune-up, cables, that sort of thing. And then when I moved to Portland after that, then I really got involved uh, working on bikes at the bike farm, and uh, it it all kind of connected. In terms which is of, definitely still around. Yes, yes. absolutely. And uh, I I feel like my opportunity to learn and grow was just so opened up like I, I'm, I'm already decent with working with tools and kind of un, that kind of mechanical understanding but then figuring out all of the bike specifics was was super interesting because people come in with the weirdest issues and they've got a weird a weird bike with a weird problem that you know those weird things it was uh it was talked about with jimmy diesel the like early 90s there was a brief blip where uh press fit bottom brackets were common on mountain or or not common but existed on some mountain yeah. bikes and it was basically held into held into the bike with like loctite and wishful thinking <laughs> Ooh, yeah. and, all, the, all the best and, inventions <laughs> yeah and and so uh you know you just got that sort of thing all the time at the bike farm and, and it requires creativity and problem solving and and ingenuity and that and i love that and it's interesting and and you know the bike farm provides a place where a bike shop would say like "Ooh, this is going to be really tough it's going to be like hundreds of dollars and you're, yeah, you we could go find you, some new old just, stock from just, some place somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You just told me that you bought the bike for $40 yeah. uh, and, and a number of bike shops do refer to the bike farm of like, Hey, if you go down there, like they may be able to figure it out with you. And mm-hmm. if you do the work, you might be able to get this bike running in a way that's affordable. Yeah. And that was uh, a lot of those particular uh, folks yeah. came in with that. And so, yeah, then it kind of turned into wanting bikes that weren't readily available on the market and kind of for my own bikes and kind of buying parts and adapting uh, to create the bike that I wanted for touring or for commuting or 
or whatever. And uh, that's something that I've I've really enjoyed witnessing in the last number of years. That you know, when when I helped, I worked with Aaron on building the uh, the red hair amongst horses, right, oh, which is right you, right behind yes. me. Yeah. And yes, that I, wouldn't have existed if you weren't there aiding me along the way and without the bike farm's help as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And and I've built bikes for myself, for my wife, for some friends, for uh, you know, kind of side projects. And it's been really great to see I, something I wanted to comment on is that the the bike industry is kind of coming like the whole trend of like gravel bikes and adventure bikes and things. Uh, this uh, this was talked about maybe also with Jimmy. Uh, you know that that crank sets uh, are, are kind of meeting some middle ground where where it's not a super low mountain bike and it's not a super high road bike. It's a middle ground, yeah. the 4630, that, that's significantly more rideable for a normal person with normal fitness under normal riding circumstances, trying to get to work or just a Saturday ride or you know, that, that you can make it up a hill without panting versus mm-hmm. the long time trend of like, you know, the, the typical Schwinn road bike from the seventies with like a European road racing bike geometry and gearing. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And you see someone trying to go up the hill in like a, what a 39, 23 or something. And it's yeah. like, like the old five speeds. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not a realistic thing for normal people to enjoy riding. And I feel yeah. like the bike industry has, has grown in a direction that's like, Man, I worked so damn hard to find that part mm. several years ago, and and now they're available. They're made by this company and that company, yeah. and the Shimano GRX line now has even Shimano has a forty six thirty crank, and, <laughs> um, which yeah. and uh, you know along those uh, in that same time, I was trying to build a touring bike uh, along uh, with my wife and and with one of her best friends, her roommate, uh, one of our best friends, and uh, they're both five foot two women and there was not a lot of bike options that that were readily available that were really set up for them with any outside of road style geometry really the only options were the the surly long haul trucker or the soma saga which is like the exact same bike and so it uh i've i've loved watching uh, like live grow as a brand and, yeah. and that yeah. there's, uh, there's so many options now for a huge range of bikes for shorter riders of, of any gender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just been cool to kind of see that. That's my aside. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting. So not to make a direct equivalent analogy, but just sort of in the same way that a lot of clothing manufacturers have over the past, like five or 10 years, sort of started to listen to the fact that like there's more than one body type. Um, it feels like the bike industry is going in that direction as well. I'm curious from your historical sp- perspective, do you feel like there like is any particular reason behind that? Or do you view it maybe more as a natural evolution of people getting into the sport or as people leave the sport bike industry, having to listen more closely to those that they like still have perhaps. Yeah, along the lines of, bikes designed for women or shorter riders or whatever i'd like to think it's through the incredible voice of women that have said we need we need a bike yeah. that fits us uh in terms of the the move towards more reasonable gearing larger tires uh Maybe it's coincidental. Maybe it, maybe it's just enough people were like this is my favorite way to ride. You mm. need to make a bike that does that. Mhm. 
uh, I don't know if the uh, real pessimistic side of me thinks we're all searching for that wilderness uh, because the reality of the actual world around us <laughs> is <laughs> grim at best. And we need a bike to get Sometimes. us from, from yeah. where we are to yeah, there. The, yeah, the backwoods feel safer. I'll, I'll take a bear over, uh, I don't know, a barrel crippling crippling depression <laughs> yeah sometimes yeah, sometimes yeah. <laughs> national debt student debt uh, sure <laughs> got it i think i think it's a little bit of twofold i think and you know i'm i can't really quote any kind of numbers but i think there is a, a lot more women participating in the sport and a lot more uh people that aren't of a fairly narrow body type um, not just participating in sport, but also just getting out and, and riding and and making the bike a mode of transportation as well. So I think it's sort of like coming from both ends. And, you know, the cynical side of me wants to go like, well, they, they see an untapped market and they want to they wanna market towards it. And that may be the case, but it doesn't change the fact that there are a lot more bikes out there. And, you know, hooray for capitalism. Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say even if that's true, that yeah, there is that market side yeah. of it. I love seeing all of the bikes with fat tires and oh, reasonable yeah. geometries and racks and fenders <laughs> riding about the city yeah. every single yeah. day. It makes me happy because I see someone out riding their bike that that I'm like, yes, I love that bike. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think- and it could be. That there's, you know, even some of the lower end bikes that I, I uh, helped my parents round up a couple of uh, Raleigh's uh, that, that were pretty cheap bikes with big tires and disc brakes because they want to be able to ride on the trails and such in their area faster and better and enjoy mm-hmm. it more. Uh, they currently have mountain bikes. They would never get a road bike. These kind of, kind of I think, sport bikes is the, the class. Is the but they're Okay. Uh, it's it's not quite a hybrid. It's faster than a hybrid, but it it was like the bike that that met all of their needs. Yeah. It was somewhere in between being really comfortable and also being able to like actually be ridden. I I know the one. I feel like I've seen their that in their catalog. It's it's like those bikes that are a little bit more niche, but it's like a very specific niche intention to enable like exactly that. Like it's not yeah. quite this or quite that, but for. It's it's very perfectly in between. Yeah, and it and it doesn't take a three thousand dollar bike to to hit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think um, something, and I don't know exactly to what effect this has had, but my observation in tandem with a lot of the other developments that have been happening and allowing us to have the more diversification of uh, bike industry and bike parts is that. Um, with the rise of media that allows people to have more following behind themselves and their, I would call it, it's not an independent publishing platform, but it's a platform that's enabled by individuals. Uh, And so having the backup of lots of followers or lots of, um, I guess, clout, if you will, for a lot of people that have been pushing for a while to be like, let's not make it like this. Uh, I think, and I go to this example relatively often, is... uh, like pathless pedaled and sort of like calling out some trends and then you know two three four years go by and they're like we totally like called this we were just like (laughs) a little bit ahead of it um and not always that they're and certainly by no means the only trendsetters but um industry itself being more willing to listen to people who have very specific uh interests and fascinations and then 
in more of a collaborative fashion, being willing to work towards meeting those um, is something that I feel like there's a lot more of happening these days, where if maybe 10 or 20 years ago, if you weren't published in, you know, the top tier magazine or the racing circuit, this or the racing circuit that like you wouldn't sure you'd be able to give feedback, but you wouldn't really be listened to in the same means um but now there's a way to demonstrate a desire and a and an interest and then to meet that based on that which is demonstrated i'd really like to believe that russ and laura helped change the industry (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) yeah and i think there's i think there's a lot of others too and and specifically for um cyclists uh who are women cyclists you know having having like lots of people who follow there's um one who's uh, has a YouTube channel. I think it's called Dirtbag uh, Diaries or something like that. I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, but I follow her and like she talks about cycling as a mountain cyclist um, and also being pregnant at the same time. So like she's she's got a lot of people who tuned in and it's like who knew until there's somebody who goes out and does it that there's a lot of different ways to cycle. Like you can mountain bike while you're pregnant. And yeah. uh, I'm sure many people knew that, but just about making it more um part of the dialogue whereas you know you wouldn't necessarily see that written in a traditional publication as frequently um or or from that from that perspective dripping diaries no i don't think that's it oh i follow her on youtube i'll look it up here (laughs) um so yeah just that kind of stuff like the the more the independent uh and then and then listening to to that as well so um it's it's a good time to be riding a bike it really is yeah it's a great time and Anybody that I talk to that's like maybe wanting to look at bike riding more, yeah, yeah, it would be really great. We live in Portland. It would be easy. Like, it's such a good time. (laughs) It's so good. You're at Mm -hmm. the perfect nexus of history. You're going to find the best bike, and it's going to be awesome. Definitely. Um. So let's get back to adventures, and there's one particular adventure I've always wanted to talk to you about on on Mike, we've talked about this, like, you know, just you and I. Um, but I think this is this is somewhat unique in that um, you moved from Portland to St. Louis. Um, and then on your way to doing so, decided to have like a few bike adventures along the way. And uh, yeah, you want to speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, we we did more bike riding on the way back from St. Okay, Louis. Okay, yeah. Uh, we we hit a family reunion and we went to Yellowstone National Park with my parents on the way to St. Louis. Uh, but it was on the way back that we just had our car. We had okay. everything else shipped. Um, but we 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 took we took a break. Uh, we, we we took the time to see a couple national parks. Uh, we went and saw. Uh, moving back from St. Louis, uh, we went to Badlands National Park, which was all socked in with fog, which was a little bit oh. of a shame. Oh no. Uh, it's my favorite national park, by the way. It was so beautiful, yeah. even in the fog. But And we saw bighorn sheep like 15 feet into yeah. the park uh, right off the side of the road. But um, So we didn't get a lot of activity in there. But then uh, out towards uh, the southwest side of the state near Mount Rushmore, there's the Mickelson Trail. Mm-hmm. That's a, a pretty long rail trail. I would guess it's one of the longest ones in the U.S., that because it's like 120 miles or something uh, of of packed gravel trail that that goes all through uh, the Black Hills, uh, kind of north south roughly. Okay. And so we we took a day off to ride on that 
we tried to see Mount Rushmore, but it also was socked in with fog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of my Seems favorite. To be a theme. I was yeah. going to say <laughs> one, one of my favorite uh, moments of uh, of national park experience in my life is uh, there was this older man in the uh, the little visitor center below uh, where you, you where you walk up to see the uh, see the monument, uh, and th- this older man was like, "I've been waiting my entire life to come and see this monument." This talking to a National Park Service employee. Yeah. Uh, I've been waiting the entire my entire life to see this monument, and I show up and I can't see ten feet in front of my face. <laughs> oh and, no! And, and with that, and it was he wasn't mad, but no. Uh, I was, okay. and the National Park employee points right above his head where there's a panorama of the monument, literally right. the width of the room. And he says, it looks exactly like that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I bet he gets that question all the time. Right. That uh, reminds, oh, that's like Denali in the summertime where it's like 30% of visitors ever see the top. Yeah. So one nice thing is when, so the entrance to the park is free. Parking is $10. Parking is actually good for a week. So we were able to come back the next day when it was clear and oh, actually cool. see the monument. Oh, right on. It's not the most exciting thing. You you can't really get as close to it as you think you can if you've never been there before. And it's not yeah. that big. No. Maybe this... <laughs> Did yeah, we just ruin it for there's, everybody? There's, there's something to be said about that. <laughs> uh, Crazy Horse, on the other hand, which you Were can you able see to go... from the Mickelson Trail. Yeah. We didn't go up into, the, okay. into it, but you can see it in the distance. Crazy Horse is incredible. It's huge. Mm. Uh, uh, last time and, I was there, I don't even think they had the face ready at that point. I'm, every time I've gone through South Dakota, we've always passed by it. Um, yeah, my dad but, talks about going by in the in the like late seventies, early eighties. Oh, gosh. and it was it, it was, was mainly rock at that yeah, point. Yeah, uh, they were working on the mane of the horse while we were there. I mean, it's oh still, wow, so it's it's coming along. It, there's still a lot of work to be done, but yeah. it, I mean, it's huge. Um, but then from there, we drove uh, to to see my folks outside Spokane, and then we took another day off, and we went up and we rode uh, the um, the Hiawatha Trail or the Trail of the Hiawatha up on the the uh, Idaho Montana border. It's an old rail rail bed, uh, absolutely incredible, great bike riding, tons of trestles, tons of tunnels. The first tunnel's two miles long, so it's a really long tunnel. How is that? It's, I don't know if I've ever like been in a tunnel that long it's like always like 55 degrees or uh-huh. something like that and it's very dark the first time i did it with just like a really basic kind of blinky sort of led light sure. for for a bike pretty much all i could see was if there was a puddle ahead of me it's always dripping water in there and then there's uh, a, yeah. a a water channel along both sides with reflectors and it was basically I could see the shine of puddles and the reflectors, and that was it. And that's oh, a really weird experience to I bicycle bet. through. Now Annie and I have uh, uh, have generator hubs, and, uh-huh. and uh, I could see quite nicely this room. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a different experience, but uh, it's really, really cool. It was very carefully built back when it was built. It's exactly on the idaho montana border and mm-hmm. it slopes upward into the middle because both states wanted the water rights to everything that ran out of the tunnel oh that's and hilarious so they actually started drilling it from both sides and this was like 18 
80 or something, 90s? Nobody quote me on that. Long time ago. But they wanted it sloped so that all the water would run to their state. Well before computer calculations and satellite navigating and blah, blah, blah. And they drilled it in from both sides, aiming for the middle, and they got incredibly accurate with it, you know, for having drilled a mile in both directions. Yeah, that's really cool. A piece of random... yeah. Random history. When you look up, it's all it's all like loose rocky crag. It's all yeah. huh. uh, it's not c- cemented in uh, mm-hmm. all over the top like a few of the shorter tunnels. And it's... it doesn't freeze inside due to the earth temperature. Yeah, uh, I, I, oh, I guess wow. I don't know that for a fact, but I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine at least not not fully. Um, That's got to be cool to uh, yeah. If you're up, I mean, I, I, I'm, the park is closed, but like. If I don't know some maintenance person maybe has seen it kind of freeze slowly inward. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's we should set cool. up some like uh, some time lapse cameras there. Of course, I guess they would have to have some kind of night some vision. Very, very bright lights. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I just have a high ISO. <laughs> we'll we'll get the newest one. <laughs> cool. It's interesting uh, about the the drilling up, um, like some of that. Not like old science, but uh, more manual science, if you will. Yeah, uh, yeah. Somehow they've figured out how to how to line that up with. Yeah, that's so interesting. That... Aiming at each other, and it slopes uphill like one percent or something in both mm-hmm. directions, huh. and if they you... manage to hit each other. So when you were biking through it, uh, did you sort of like check how far in you could get before? the light dropped down to pretty much nothing. Like I, I'm imagining it's not actually too far you'd need to go. Yeah, but... it's, it's pretty quick. Okay. Because I was thinking like, how cool would it be? You know, it's not flat, obviously, but if you could, you know, stand at the apex perhaps and look down and see a little pinprick on each side. You can't, it's really hard to see the ends okay. from, oh, from the man. middle. It's, it's pretty dark in the That's middle. That's so freaky. And then, yeah, it takes a really long time for that light to grow. It's a, it's, yeah. Mm. For those that have had an end of life experience, you should write in and let us know. If, <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a long time for that like, light at the yeah. end of the tunnel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then there's there's the sign in the middle that says like, "Gosh, how just imagine now if either side of this collapsed." Yeah. Oh. Probably not a good place to go if you have claustrophobia. <laughs> I was really looking forward to riding this trail up until that moment right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. One of my friends growing up parents were convinced to ride it at one point and uh-huh. they don't really ride bikes and his mom especially was really hesitant it'll be fine it'll be fine you cruise your bikes and the the trails design you can ride down the hill overall the the trail goes down downhill from the up like kind of the main upper parking lot and and then you can take they have old school buses that that take you back up the hill so it, it can be oh, a pretty reasonable well, nice. like yeah. 15 mile ride and or or you can kind of do up and back. There's a couple of variations you can do. And so she was convinced to do this uh, against her best wishes. And somewhere in the tunnel, she ended up crashing this cruiser bright. Oh, oh no. She was on and broke her arm. Oh, my God. <laughs> like really badly. <laughs> and, That's like uh, Murphy's in action. She's never going to get on a bike again. Oh yeah, I imagine. Oh, done no. deal. Gosh. I mean, there's one thing about like, yeah, that I'm just... No, that doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> I'm just imagining that situation in my head right now. I told you so. Mm-hmm. I told you. It's yeah, just oof. a small break. Just get on and keep riding. No. Right. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they had to bring something in to pick her up. Oh, like God. it was. Well, 
if that hasn't convinced you to not ride this, <laughs> go ride it. The it trail of the like Hiawatha. It's actually incredible. Yeah. You'll probably not break your arm. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> With this cautionary tale, you'll definitely not break your arm. <laughs> uh, was that sort of the highlight of the trip? You know, given that, that Rushmore was not what you were necessarily expecting. Oh, I mean, it was all fantastic. We were moving back. Yeah. So I'm I'm from outside Spokane. My wife is from Portland here. And so the uh, the entire trip was the best part of the trip because every, mm. <laughs> every step was just a little every closer minute to Portland. We got closer to home. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So a couple of tours I've done, uh, I've ridden down the Oregon coast. Uh, I've also for, as I mentioned, my, my wife and I rode, we, we rode kind of the Sierra Cascades route for the most part through Oregon. And then we jumped over to the, the coastal route to go down California uh, into San Francisco. That was our honeymoon. Uh, we took about a month to do it. And I also rode from Portland to Denver. Uh, I was supposed to be a cross country trip, uh, with, a with my oh, yeah. best friend. And, uh, before we got out of the state of Oregon, uh, my best friend no longer wanted to continue the bike tour. And so I continued on alone from Missoula, Montana. And then, uh, there was a, a work emergency and, uh, Aaron was at the the light at the end of that tunnel. Uh, <laughs> I was at the, was the light at the end of that tunnel, going, "Hurry up!" Get back or, or maybe we can come up with it. Yeah, you were the uh, you were the shit at the bottom of that ship pile. Maybe is a better analogy. Uh, I I got called home for work, uh, and uh, so uh, one of our one of my good friends uh, recently uh, recommended I rephrase it not as a failed trip across the country but as a, a successful bike ride to Denver, uh, which I, it was because <laughs> I, I mean a bike toward two thousand miles uh, about uh, what twelve hundred thirteen hundred yeah. of it alone mm. and and Denver's uh, pretty badass yeah it know? was a it was a fantastic bike ride uh, and so it's it's interesting having ridden so many thousands of miles of rural roads uh going back and visiting my parents and driving some of the rural roads like out into idaho or uh north of spokane and thinking like i've driven these roads my entire life and i never would have thought about biking on them mm -hmm. and there's part of me that still doesn't want to bike on them because yeah. of whatever this experience i've had but like i've ridden like on that road mm -hmm. of sorts yeah. it, yeah. it's kind of yeah. funny and and for having ridden on thousands of miles of rural roads in the U.S., uh, I feel like, you know, outside of the city, I have this theory that there's kind of a bubble around big cities in particular, or or at least moderate cities, uh, where, you know, you get to the outskirts of Portland and some jerk in a lifted pickup truck feels intruded on by the urban representation of you being on a bicycle, and that's the guy that, like, revs the engine and throws a beer can at you and mm -hmm. drives you off the road. And, and I feel like it's just been in the outskirts of major cities that I've, I've had that experience. Huh. You get out into the country and people are like, whatever, I'm on like an hour and a half drive. This guy's going to slow me down for 10 seconds. It's going to be fine. Right and uh, there's obviously rare exceptions. Uh, my friend Katie got a, uh, a carton of, uh, chocolate milk to her back out on the Oregon coast oh, one geez. time. But for the, could she salvage some of that? Like, <laughs> uh, pick it up. No, that was not the concern. <laughs> no, I imagine. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the tens of thousands of drivers that passed, I got way more 
thumbs ups and waves and the beep, 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 beep as they right drive on. by, like the positive interactions mm-hmm. versus like two close calls yeah. uh, of someone like clearly being aggressive. Occasionally like someone in an RV that like forgot to put the staircase down that you were like, Oh, oh no. <laughs> but, but, why, why would it matter? Man. But I was taking that as uh negligence versus sure, yeah, sure. versus intention uh and so you know my my overwhelming experience of rural roads is is people care and want to give you room and slow down to let you finish the corner before they pass or you know, kind of whatever it takes mm-hmm. uh, and actually re- one of the most interesting touring experiences i've ever had in my life uh on the uh on the transamerica route uh in at the base of whitebird pass in a believe white bird idaho is the name of the little town uh my my friend paul and i rode in and uh it was really hot and we'd gotten through several days of like 100 degree touring up the hell's canyon and and it was it had just been really awful and and we'd been facing a headwind the day before and a high school friend of mine was going to meet us for dinner super randomly she was living in boise traveling north we kind of had arranged it and but we got into Whitebird Pass or, or window, the town of Whitebird at like two in the afternoon. And uh, up ahead of us was like a 3,000 foot climb and it was like 90 plus degrees. We just didn't want to do it to make it to the next town. And But then the town of Whitebird has like a little convenience store and a bar and a restaurant and that's it. And so we had first gone into the store to buy a few things and it had this ancient lady that was chain smoking and and kind of talk like this and she intimidated <laughs> us and we bought a few things we went and hung out in the city park across the street which had no bathrooms and we hung out for a little bit and it was you know it was maybe three o'clock and we were like well dang it i need to use the bathroom and uh you go back in the yeah, little we, bar that that the, the the store lady scares me. Uh, hey, Paul, you want to grab a beer? <laughs> and so we go into the bar. I think it's a Friday afternoon. I may be wrong about that, but I think it was a Friday afternoon, three o'clock at the latest. Bar is packed. Mm. And uh, some some kind of rough looking folks. And people kind of stop and look at us. And uh, I'm in like a kind of fluorescent red and yellow spandex and Paul's and I don't know, something not terribly different because we hadn't changed yet. And so the whole plan was like, we'd take turns, one of us would order a beer while the other one changed, uh, get our beers, we're in normal clothes, we're sitting down, people are kind of throwing sidelong glances over at us, It's we're chatting, we're hanging out, we're really nursing the clock, because my friend's going to get there at like 6.30. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of time to kill. And so we're hanging out, we're hanging out, we're hanging out, and finally Paul was like, all right, it's time, uh, Sean, you want another beer? Yeah. And Paul went up to get another round of beers and something clicked. It was, that was all it took. And this lady kind of leaned over to me and was like, whenever I see cyclists out riding your touring bikes out on my highways, I always give you so much room. I will (laughs) slow down. I will take the whole other lane. Oh, Okay, wow. And then suddenly it turned into like we were everybody's buddy. And oh, wow. They were all bragging about how they try to be so safe with <laughs> cyclists they see out on the road. I will, That's I don't awesome. care if the guy behind me is honking, I will wait. 
<laughs> and it was suddenly it was all chummy and they were asking where we were going and what we were doing. And, you know, people are curious when you're out touring. What do you eat? Where do you stay? What do you, you know, and uh, we just had a grand old time. It was mm. com- I, I, apparently the second beer was what it took. Right. <laughs> turned tur- turn the corner. We were legit then. So if you're ever in White Bird, Idaho, uh, get a second beer. <laughs> Nice. Uh, the call to action, I think. Yeah, <laughs> hey, wait, we can do that now. <laughs> if you're ever touring through White Bird, Idaho, get a second beer. That was. Uh, yeah. It was just what a pleasant surprise that yeah, was. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. That's so okay. cool. Oh, who brags about that? <laughs> I don't even brag right. about that, and I, I guess I should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, having ridden so. You know, being kind of male, male presenting, uh, never got offered help anywhere along the way. I, I was riding through Montana with a couple of women at one point. They were on a shorter tour, but on this case, but they both had done touring and they got they got offered help or or are you okay? <laughs> Do you need water or anything? Mm-hmm. They got offered that like every single day, and uh, they found it quite annoying. Uh, another one of those surprises of touring. I was in Yellow Yellowstone National Park and. Uh, which is beautiful and a fantastic bike ride. And I was, there's a stretch along kind of the, the South side of the park highway where you go over three passes in a row and, and they're not bad. And it, it, it's, it's a fair amount of climbing and it was a hot day. And so I was, I was paused at one of the rest areas and literally the first people to offer me help in the entire bike ride, uh, were a couple people with uh, New Jersey license plates. Mm. They were from New Jersey. If, if you're listening from the East coast, or really most of the country, New Jersey drivers don't exactly have the best reputation. <laughs> well, East and, Coast East Coast always has this reputation of being a, a little bit more uh, abrupt, I guess, yeah, as, a, but as if, a personality. But, but if you live in Washington, D.C., you yeah. just shit on New Jersey drivers oh, yeah. nonstop. <laughs> unless you're from New Jersey, probably. Maybe, oh, it's worth noting you or used to live in D.C. Yeah, for I did live too. in D.C. for yeah. a year. And uh, and I drove I drove in New Jersey Uh it, twice (laughs) that's it which was enough that's all it took (laughs) and so uh yeah this this kind of this couple off uh, you know oh we've got a cooler full of ice cold water we've got snackies like you need to come and hang out with us for a few minutes wow you clearly like you're hot you're tired come on and and it was oh this is so nice (laughs) it it broke down a, a a judgment that i carried yeah right on so these those instances where I think um, it's okay to be wrong in those mm-hmm. sense because then you've you've learned something in the process. Yeah, you know, and it's the benefit of going out and putting oneself out there is you Most get a chance to rewire those assumptions. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I I definitely know the feeling about um, like cycling in more rural environments. Like when I visit home. I'll usually try to take my bike with me and try to get like a ride in here or there. Um, and I haven't had any like bad experiences, but there's definitely like the people in the County who's like, Oh, there goes Jason. He's one of four people that I know by name that rides their bike here uh, because they're on their bike. So it must be Jason. And if not, it's, you know, Alice, Fred, or, you know, Bob or something like that. But it's very much the, the, the number of year round cyclists is a very known quantity by the people that live there. Mm-hmm. And then when you see somebody, I guess for Eastern Oregon, uh, due to the scenic, not scenic bikeways perhaps, but just due to the draw of the lake and such, like you're much more likely to see folks. Um, 
you know, more recently rather than less so. Uh, but there used to be an actual like bike shop in the city. Uh, and that uh, went away, I think about 10 years ago or so. But I feel like every time I go back, I'm like, oh, I wonder if somebody's going to give it like another shot again, because there's there's finally enough people other than those four that it may, might at least make it work for the summertime or such. Yeah, if they could be a, a whatever pizza parlay plus bike shop, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pay the bills in the wintertime that yeah. way. Yeah, and there is kind of like an impromptu bike shop um, in the hardware store in Joseph, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's along with all the other things. I imagine it's where, like, most of the stock from that closed bike shop went. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It, it might have elapsed since then, um, but it's a good spot to find out about, um, you know, things that you need for your bike in addition to contact info for local frame builders of which there's one or two out there these oh, days. Yeah. yeah. Right so on. I, I'll, I'll have to bring back a field, field report, a report from the field. I didn't get a chance to knock on their door last time I was <laughs> in town. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Sean, thank you so much for yeah joining in. Is this, is this officially the first time you've been on? Yeah. Officially. Wow. Yeah. Aaron, we did some writing interview that I don't think ever made a... It did not. Which is fine. From Podcast Palooza. Uh, leave, yeah, leaving from here. We were we were actually talking when that motorcyclist drove, drove through the crowd. Oh, snap. Oh, yeah. I got to go find that audio now. You're <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what we said. <laughs> you took it well. Okay. Consider yeah. it. You kind of have to when you're, the, when you're the organizer. Because like, if you take it unwell, it just sets the tone for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. We were back towards the back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. I I did not appreciate their maneuver, but I was not on the motorbike, so what could I do? Um, yeah. Anything you want to put out to your fellow listeners or uh, all your fans, pl- places that people can find you or catch up with what you're up to? I guess I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to the Sprocket Podcast. Right uh, oh, I guess hey. the one thing I need to say is that I really hope to get a nickname on the credits someday. Ooh. Oh. I know you can't, like, give yourself a nickname, but I mean, maybe you can, can you ask you, for a nickname? Sure. <laughs> I mean, what, what I, do you want us to call you? I've um, I've always been... There was uh, a couple of nicknames I've given people that every now and then I'm like, do they really like this? Or do they just sort of tolerate this? Oh, Ms. I also Mr. have a T, question. Mr. T, it's good to know that you actually like that name. Thank you, Mr. T. I also have a question. Yeah. Is it... Campsite, comma, Mackner, David. Yes, those are two so different someone's, people. So someone's name is Campsite. Yes. Yeah. That was by request, by the way. That person registered as Campsite. I just, I never <laughs> uh, I never knew. And just recently I noticed a pause that made me wonder. I yep. always thought it was Campsite, Mackner, David, which is a long name. I do read that pretty quickly <laughs> at times. All There's depends a, on it. in what voice are we reading it. What, what we really need is a voice from Bill Nye that doesn't violate copyright that says, now you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We, we could get a Bill Nye impersonator. Exactly. We'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> cool. Um, well, thanks so much for joining. Yes. It's, it's been a pleasure to have you. Um, we know you haven't been doing as much biking as late, but uh, we always encourage people to not be apologists. Any amount you can step in the pedals is a good yes. day. No ride is too short. Exactly. I'm going to kind of, Maria, sure, all apologies. I'm going to steal that from you, by the way. Her saying? Yes. No ride is too short. No bike ride is too short. It's she true. was the one who originally said that to me, and I've been kind of 
saying that to everybody else. Well, it's out there for the world. Yeah. Credit where credit is owed. And just know if I'm stuck in traffic coming home from work and you're riding by me on a bicycle, I am hooting and hollering for you because I am so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> from your big red truck. Oh, that reminds me. So I'm going to say this before we go. So we ran into each other for the first time in like a good year at least, right? Mm-hmm. And it was on my way to work. And I just see this truck starting to pull out of their parking spot um, in like Northeast Portland. And like, I had no thoughts about it, but then all of a sudden I hear like somebody yelling out the window. Hey, so, so this is like, <laughs> what, like, like f- it was like five, five, five in the morning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then truck, I'd only had the truck for like a week or something like that. Okay. And I was headed into one of our jobs, uh, where it was a restaurant. And so we were starting super early to get work done before they opened. And otherwise I'm not normally out and moving at that time of day, I'll admit. And Lucky you. Uh, it's a narrow street, like many residential streets. It's, and Yeah, but it's wide enough. It, it's got parking yeah. on both sides. That makes it a little bit narrower. But I try yeah. to be a very considerate driver of cyclists, particularly at weird hours. And so like I'd seen a I'd seen where like there there was a spot I could kind of move over and slow down for what was clearly an oncoming cyclist. And I slowed down. And then Aaron rode by. <laughs> so he go, where's the window switch? I got to roll down the window. Aaron! That's the, and, best, that's the best kind of somebody yelling was, at you from a what car. What a great right. surprise. Well, and talking yeah. about, talk about like challenging um, notions or whatever, because anytime I hear somebody yell out of any vehicle, much less a large red <laughs> pickup truck, you know, uh, my assumption isn't like, oh, this is my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe this should be my assumption, and I'll put that out there for all to hear. But <laughs> Well, you haven't had a lot of evidence that would maybe be right. appreciated to rewire some of that assumption. I, I was the metaphorical couple from New Jersey that offered <laughs> yeah. <you> snacks. <laughs> hmm. Cool. But yeah, that was pretty awesome. Shall we roll our calendar? Let's do it. After you. I'm not sure. I love this. I love, I love, I love, I love don't don't ever use that. <laughs> we will be seeing coming you soon to yeah. a podcast near you. Tim's this melodious podcast. voice. Uh, December sixth at seven p.m. is the Sprockets farewell <sighs> party. A little bittersweet. Yes, yes a nice farewell party um, for the Sprockets. Mm-hmm. They will be moving on, uh, and we have a tiny bit. In addition to that, in the uh, headlines for the week, yep. December 25th is Socks Giving, uh, which starts at Paz PDX. Yay! And the second Tuesday, sorry, Tuesday, Thursday, the second Thursday of every month is the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The first Friday of every month is the San Francisco Bike Party. The second Friday of every month is the Boston Bike Party. Also the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. Also, also the second Friday of every month... The East Bay Bike Party. Last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party. The first Saturday of every month here in Portland is the Civil Unrest Ride. And every second Sunday of every month right here in Portland is the Corvidae Bike Club Ride. Upcoming Film by Bike tour dates are Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, November 20th, Ashland, Oregon, December 4th, Bendigo, Australia, December 4th, Seattle, Washington, February 28th, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, March 22nd. Right on.
And now for... What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Pedal just as fast as we can into the morning light. Pedal just as fast as we can. Olive and Dingo make modest mouse history <laughs> see what i did there uh, nice that was, that was a good that was a good play on words there um pulled from their facebook post if you have seen the um surprising and unexpected new modest mouse track drop its video online uh there's a lot of a couple of local clowns who you may know the names and or faces of um modest mouse was doing a video or a music video for the new song ice cream party i believe it's ice cream party um, and they yes. have requested Portland's best balloon artist. Uh, so naturally, Olive and Dingo showed up to help assist with the shoot and were very shortly thereafter roped into, and I would say have become the primary subject <laughs> really? of the new... Oh, have you seen it? I, I might fast forward a few seconds here. Um, just yeah, intro I, right the, now. the oh. primary subject okay. of um, the new Modest Mouse video, uh, they, they got along pretty well. That does not look like Olive's hands, but maybe it is. I think it's Dingo's. I would... I would think those would be Dingo's hands right there. Mm-hmm. We're we're watching. Ooh. We can't put audio because that might get us in trouble. But we can look at it and tell you. And that. tell you. Oh, play by play. There's a balloon animal. They're, they've got this tail on the dog, and they they're making it wag. Um. Yeah. This is an interesting video in that, like, it's just the oh, there's Olive. Yep. It's. It's just a, a zoom of their hands up until just now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Nice kaleidoscope features. Um, as, you know, accompanied, I was reading the YouTube comments and um, oh. there was a there was a, a decent percentage that were like, nice LSD, where can I get some? <laughs> uh, to maybe describe the, 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 the quality. The kaleidoscope <laughs> exactly. effects going on. Precisely. Um, but yeah, hey, you know, very happy for both of them. Yes. And uh, yes. glad that they were able to make some new friends. So proud. For some old Pacific Northwest uh, artists. We also have the Sprockets farewell. Um, the email that they sent out says, Hello, beloved Sprockets family. The Sprockets are retiring. Yeah. yeah. We uh, sincerely... There was, a, there, was a, there was an exclamation mark at yeah, the end of that. That's true. Um, Yay, we, we're retiring. We, <laughs> we, we sincerely thank you for your years of support and encouragement you have shared with us. Whether you booked us for a gig, ran support, donated, sent us performance pics, cheered like crazy from the sidelines, or signed up your rad little sprockets for girls camp, you are all close to our hearts. Come celebrate 15 years of radical bike dancing with us, Friday, December 6th, 7 p.m., at the watershed, the sprockets open. Awesome. Mm-hmm. S- sad, yes, but also there's one more chance to sh- see a truly unforgettable show. They there's there's possibly two more chances because I know they will also be at Bikecraft. Mm-hmm. So that is correct. And Bikecraft you... is December first. Yes, I'll need to need to double check. That's one thing we should probably have on our calendar. <laughs> yeah. I think we did, and then and then we lost it. Oh, we'll, we'll we'll get it back on there. I think it was um, in the news for several weeks. Yes, was it? Oh, a couple yeah. weeks in a row, a we repeated it. Hey, it was it was in there. It'll it'll make a return again. Um, that that is it. You've made it to the end of yet another episode. Oh yeah. Oh wow. And if that you want quick. to hear mail next week, send us some mail. We'd love to read it. But in the meantime, 
Dang it, I was going to play the mail sound. We got mail. I just hit the wrong button. Hey, all. we got mail. One of my favorite historic things about this bracket was listening to Brock try to figure out how to adapt in. We don't have oh. <laughs> the Sprockets in the future, but do you know what we do have? Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, he did it pretty well. He, he was He, he was me off guard a couple times with it. <laughs> uh, speaking of Brock, uh, did his emeritus co-host, uh, he will be joining us for Cranksgiving uh, come this Saturday. This so, is true. Uh, if you are hearing this before Saturday, which you probably won't because we don't edit that fast, <laughs> Come hang out with us. Indeed. In the past. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> Dan Gebhardt. I did I did I don't have a uh, lead into the mail, <laughs> but I I did uh I did say the sprockets sprock out cuz you know, they're they're piecing out. Right on. Uh yeah. Let's do it. All right. Do do you have any suggestions for how we should read? Oh crap! I was trying to plan this. I was actually no pressure. Uh, <laughs> was a couple episodes ago. I was listening and I was thinking about it, and I was going to suggest robots, and then uh, oh, and then we did robots. Did didn't robots? We? Yeah. Well, we'll Surprise never turn me. down an opportunity to um, perfect our robots. Yeah, I was going to say uh, I'm up for doing robot again. Better ro- robots 2.0. 1.1.2. <laughs> 1. 1. Right. Well, there's a number two in front of, after it, so it has to be improved. <laughs> All right, let's do it. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at Stream PDX Community Audio Studio thanks to the generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Bird for our headlines sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Shadowfoot, Katharina Malamgard, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean, Richard Wazenski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler, Dave Nose, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Gulley, Peanut Butter, Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, 0110110. Aww. Andre Johnson, <laughs> King of Division, Richard D. Guthrie Straw, who is plugged in right next to me. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Reed Granary. Campsite. Mac Nurse David, Nathan Bolden, Chris Rosen, Rory in Michigan, Michael Flournoy, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman, Ari Hugel, EJ Finneran, Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Jason Optenberg, Michael Cousin, Publishing, David Moore, Dot Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Sean Baird, I win. What? <laughs> He is right here and passing the touring test. Still no nickname. Not yet. <laughs> Simon Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow. Dude Luna. Matthew Rooks. Gaga. Carl Marshall Paula at Funatake Cyclecraft. Philip M. Spartandale. No relation. Mr. T, who never really left. Bike Initiative. Kiwana. Sarah G. 
Adam D, go dig a hole, Beth Hammond, Greg Murphy, and to our newest donor, Mar- Mayra Martinez. And all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now brush your teeth. And go to bed. <laughs> Pew.